T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. What's the best stadium in the NFL? What's the worst? Who has the best tailgate food? Who's got the best food in the stadium? What about the worst or the best bathrooms. How much does it cost to visit all 32 stadiums? And how much time does it take to do so? We'll have a man who can answer every one of those questions. He went to all 32 NFL stadiums in 84 days. A Guinness Book World Record will join us in just a couple of minutes here on Home and Home, a radio.com sports original. We are brought to you by ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Check out ZipRecruiter. It's ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter.com, smartest way to hire. I'm Dave Briggs, home in Connecticut, 9.36 a.m. Eastern time. Come here, boy. If you're watching on the Radio.com app, this over my shoulder is my son, Will. He should have been at school two hours ago. Ross Tucker, home in Pennsylvania. I assume your kids are at school. Here's the deal in Connecticut. There's one inch of freaking snow on the ground. One inch? Mm, Parts of the driveway aren't even covered, Ross. If When I drove home from my other job, the tire tracks cleared away the snow. They're not at school. We live in New England. What the hell is wrong with people? Do they cancel school in Pennsylvania for an inch of snow? No, they do not. I'm surprised. I'm surprised they do that in Connecticut. I would think New England, Boston, Massachusetts. I would think that they'd be very well prepared and used to that. Is it the same up in like Massachusetts and Boston? It's not the same in Boston proper, but parts of Boston, the suburbs of it is getting worse each and every year. What the parents will tell you, nothing is like Connecticut in my experience. And I know us old people always say, ah, when I grow up, well, when I grew up in Colorado, it took a foot, no joke, a foot of snow to cancel school. Cause I remember on one hand, I can count in all my childhood, how many days we had school canceled and it was a joyous occasion. And now it's just a matter of, will we run out of snow days and will they have to extend the school year an inch of snow in New England is what we should expect each and every day in December, January, and February. It's, it, I, I guess it's the litigious society, Ross. Maybe it's the worrisome parents that are going to sue if the school bus gets in an accident or if some parent gets in an accident. I, I, it drives me absolutely freaking crazy. And there's just nothing we can do about it. Yeah. This, I, I, would think it's, I, I, I would think it's, uh, a combination of an increasingly overly litigious society combined with overprotectionism of uh, our youth, those two things. Uh, and then you can pour a little bit of the wussification of America on top of that as well. So it's a really nice 
disappointing Americana sandwich right there you've got. We just took a school <laughs> being canceled in Connecticut and basically made it the example of everything that's wrong in the United States of America. But no other show is doing that right now. <laughs> it is, right? I mean, does this confirm everything you suspect about the state of Connecticut? Yeah. It, I mean, I'm a little surprised, actually. I would have thought well, so it's worse. Connecticut would worse have been better prepared. I, no, I, I would have thought Connecticut would have been better prepared for snow. Like, I know what it was like when I lived in Dallas and they had a little snow or an ice storm. It was a complete disaster. Pennsylvania, they're usually pretty prepared for it. Well, I will say, this, the state is prepared. Like, the plows are incredible, man. I mean, they take care of business. They salt, they plow, they get it done. I think it's just the parents and the administrators. And the administrators are only that way because the parents. So really... It is a reflection of society. It's not about snow plows here. It's not about budgets or, or even ice. It's about litigious wussification of America. It is, Ross, a problem with society. And there's nothing I can do about it except deal with the kids. And again, they brought me coffee, though. So that's cool. Uh, but hey, we, we had one more, uh, and we're going to get to this later in the program. Yesterday, we asked everyone uh, to try to solve your Christmas tree quandary. Uh, and overwhelmingly, we had a poll, real or fake Christmas trees. You and I agree. Real's the only way to go. I like the aroma. I like the sight of it. I hate the idea of a fake tree. Were you surprised at the poll results? Overwhelmingly say fake is better than real. Yes, very, very disappointed and very surprised. I would have thought most people would have said real tree. I would have thought it would have been 60 to 65% at least real tree. It's another very disappointing aspect of our country. Um, <laughs> I love that they now take... <laughs> The picture of me, and they put it in different places. Um, the picture of me from sideline Monday night, our guy Jordan Cohn. But I think it's disappointing. I really do, David. It bothers me that there's that many people that are into fake trees. It just, it's, it's another, I, I don't want to go too deep on this again, but it's another example, Dave of everything that's wrong with America. You know why people like fake trees? Because they're lazy. Because they're lazy, because they're cheap, and because they don't care about things like tradition or smells or things being real anymore. It's really disappointing. You know, the, the Twitter responses, they just disagree with you. A guy says this morning, as a cat owner, a real tree is out of the question. A lot of people say they're easier, they're cleaner. Some now, despite the idea that I think they're probably made of, you know, some sort of chemicals that are probably harmful, a lot of people chimed in and said they're better for the environment because you're not cutting down a tree each and every year and then throwing it in the garbage. Michael Walter said he's for neither. 
he's for the Festivus poll, which I really thought was probably the winner. But almost every person that responded to the RDC home and home tweet yesterday said they prefer the fake tree and they have doubled in their popularity since 2004. Only one do I see here that said, I want the real tree. The aroma alone is worth it. Uh, Greg says, I vote fake tree already decorated. He doesn't just go for the fake tree. He gets a fake tree decorated. Use the extra time to enjoy your favorite cocktail. A few paper people said allergies are the reason they go with the fake tree. And you're not happy about it. But you know what? I don't think there's anything we can do about it, man. I think the trend has been set. We'll revisit this in about 20 minutes. But right now, we're going to talk to a man who is, quite frankly, my hero, Ross Tucker's hero and every NFL fan's hero because he visited every NFL stadium in just 84 days. That is a Guinness Book world record, 32 NFL stadiums, 84 days. It started week one. Packers Bears ended on Thanksgiving. Jacob Barner joining us, and he is not an American fan. He is from the UK. Jacob Good morning to you, sir. Thank you for joining us from across the pond. Explain why you wanted to go on this voyage of visiting all 32 stadiums in 84 days and how you pulled it off. Yeah, good morning. Uh, thank you for having me. It's It was an idea I had maybe about a year ago. I, I've been a fan of the NFL for maybe nine or ten years now, and I have always wanted to start go and see like so many of the old stadiums, Lambeau, Arrowhead, kind of the real iconic ones. And they started building all these new stadiums, which kind of then I would like to go see them as well. And my list of stadiums I wanted to go to started getting pretty long. And I went to my first game in the States last year. So I'm a 49ers fan. Uh, one of my best friends is a Broncos fan. And we said the next time they play each other, we're going to go. And that was last year. So we decided to go and I was kind of blown away by the whole spectacle of it. I've been to the Wembley games before, but it's a whole different beast out in the States. And so once I did that, I kind of thought it'd be really cool to go and maybe do like a road trip and do four or five games and maybe do that every couple of years until I'd done every state, every stadium over my lifetime. And basically I started looking it up seeing, you know, maybe someone else has done this before. I'm, I'm assuming they have done. And it turned out there was an article about a girl who did it in 2015 and she broke the world record. And when I saw that, it kind of gave me the idea, maybe planted the seed a little in my mind. And a few months later, I decided I'm definitely going to do it. And a year later, I've, I've done it. Well, uh, Jacob, that is unbelievable. Um, I got a lot. I got a lot for you, bro. <laughs> I want to I want to start with this. OK. Yeah. Uh just a quick question. What was the previous record? So the previous record was 86 days, 10 hours, and 25 minutes. And I did it in 84 days, 3 hours, and 24 minutes. Okay. Here's the next question. What kind of job do you have <laughs> that you can just <laughs> leave the UK for 85 to 90 days during football season? And how much did this thing cost you? <laughs> well, thankfully, I got given unpaid. I got. I was able to take unpaid leave from my job, which 
thankfully means I'm back at work now, which is good because of the second question of how much it costs me. <laughs> so uh, I don't know exactly, but I think it's roughly in the range of £20,000, which is probably about $25,000, which I'd saved up for a number of years over kind of my, over the start of my career, I decided I was going to save and save. And once I hit a certain number, that was going to be my down payment for a house. And I kind of hit that number around the same time I had this idea and I was sat with the situation where I was like, well, I could go do the sensible thing, buy the house, or I could go do this instead. And I decided to go do this instead. Dude, Jacob, you put off buying a home to go to NFL games. (laughs) How is that decision feeling this morning? I think it's feeling pretty good. It's feeling pretty good. It was the best three months of my life. No regrets whatsoever. So did you, when did you do this, Jacob? Uh, so I, this, uh, this past three months, really, I've been only been back in the UK for a week and a half. So I started opening night, Bears Packers on the 5th of September and finished Thanksgiving and left back for the UK the day after. That is unbelievable. So I got to be honest with you, Jacob. I think you're awesome. I think what you did is awesome. But it kind of bothers me that a British guy has the record now. <laughs> like I, it, it kind of it bugs me. We need somebody in the United States to step their shit up. Maybe do it. Do it next year. <laughs> you I'm can be the man sure. to break it. Well, the question is, does the calendar allow someone to do so? It's not entirely clear. There's not much of a window to top what you pulled off. I've been looking at it uh, since I read your story, and I don't know if it's possible unless somebody has, well, maybe somebody with the private jet. Now, I'm surprised to hear how passionate you are about going to NFL games, in particular because I've been to a Premier League match. Soccer in the U.K., I love the NFL. But in terms of the at the stadium experience, I don't think they're even close. I think the NFL is great on TV, but in person, how do you compare going to, say, a Premier League or a Champions League match in the UK to going to an NFL game in the US? It's completely different. The the entire day is completely different. What kind of the Premier League games have going for them is, yeah, the in-stadium atmosphere, it's... I don't know if more passionate is the is the right word, but it's just it's completely different. It's it's probably it's louder other than a few NFL places. But um the the whole day is very different in that there's no tailgating in the UK. And that was such a big thing, obviously, going to NFL games was going to a tailgate at pretty much every single stadium. Um the fans are separated in the UK, so you have your road team fans, they're all in one section. And the home team fans are all separate. And over, obviously, in the US, everyone's just mixing together. You couldn't, couldn't do that in the UK. It wouldn't end very well. So it's, a, it's completely different. But the reason I love going so much is because I love the sport so much. And I prefer the sport of American football to soccer. And I've played American football in the UK for about six years and coached as well in the UK. And so that's really where it kind of stemmed from. All right, so then here's the question um, in my mind, Jacob. Let's dive into it, okay? I want to yeah. know, first of all, 
when did your NFL fandom start in the first place? So I think about 10 years ago, I had a really old copy of Madden. I think it was Madden 06. And I just got it because it was really cheap or something like pre-owned. And I just tried to play it and I didn't know what was going on. I just used to press Hail Mary every time because it looked the coolest and I never won, basically. So I decided, right, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to actually start to watch some games. And the games are on pretty late out here. You know, the primetime games, they're not on until 1 a.m. In, in the UK. So I'd watch them, but I'd just fall asleep after the first quarter because I didn't know what was happening. And then I'd get more and more into it, do a bit more research and then started watching a bit more first half. And then before you know it, I start, right, I'm going to properly watch this and started to get really involved. And then I was looking for a new sport to play over here. And I, so I found a local uh, juniors team when I was about 16, played there for a year and then played right the way throughout uni and coached as well after university. And that was where university was where it properly took over my life. But I was a fan for a few years, a fair few years before that. Okay, so you go on this adventure, 32 games, 84 days. Jacob Barner with us. You can follow him on Twitter at JBB Football. Favorite NFL experience in terms of everything that is at NFL Stadium? What was what was the number one experience to you of all 32? I think Kansas City. Kansas City, as, a, as an overall day, just where I had the best time, the most fun, it's either Kansas City or Detroit. Just everything kind of came together where the tailgate was great. The people I was with were so good. There was incredible games at both of them. And they were two of the very, you know, two of the loudest stadiums I went to as well. So here's my question. Uh, what do you like in terms of before the game, drinking and eating? Are you very aggressive in both respects or not? <laughs> uh, yeah, I was, I was, well, I think at the start, I was more aggressive than I was by the end because Going, uh, going that aggressive three times a week for 12 weeks was uh, started to take its toll on me, especially on the come the Monday night games where I've been at a Sunday <laughs> game. I've then flown somewhere Monday morning and then I'm getting off the flight, dropping my stuff and going straight to tailgate. So the Sunday games were probably my favorite in that respect because I'd normally had a couple of days to, to chill unless I did. I mean, I did do some college games as well on Saturday. So there was some week at some weeks where I did a game Thursday, game Saturday, game Sunday, game Monday. And those by the Tuesday, I was, I was. Oh, <laughs> oh that, that so is wait a minute. lot of, you did, you did some college games, even though they yeah, didn't I count did for the five, record. Five college games <laughs> and one CFL game as well. Dude, you are unbelievable. You're like my idol. How big are you, Jacob? How big are you? Uh, well, hi, hi um, I'm six, six foot two twenty. What position did you six. play? Uh, inside linebacker. Oh, would have right. guessed that. Uh, which, how many, which how many games? Niners games? Sorry, go ahead. Which college games? Which stadiums were part of that tour? So I went to SMU while I was in Dallas. I went to Florida on my way from Jacksonville to Tampa. I went to Michigan the day before the Lions game. I went to UCLA before, the day before the Chargers game. 
and then I went to Penn State on my drive from Cleveland to Philly. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Which wow, one of those something... did you which one of those did you like the most at the college? Oh, Michigan was really cool. The stadium was really cool, but I love I did love Penn State. Penn State was probably my favorite, I think. Good answer, Jacob. Good answer. I like you even more now, buddy. I love it. Wow. Just took Penn State over the big house. Just took Penn State took you down, Michigan. All right. Who drinks the hardest? Because you, you mentioned how much booze you had to put in on that kind of a, a schedule. What fan base? Let's get back to the NFL now. What fan base do you think drinks the hardest? That's, that's a very good question. That's a very good question. I tell you what, the Colts, the Colts fans, they they were good. There was there was shots going off every. I swear, every time I walked past this table, the shot the shot horn was going off, ready for another one. So that was one where I, I had a lot of fun. Um, same with the Chargers. The Chargers fans, they they knew how to uh, they knew how to drink as well. So they're probably my top two, and Buffalo as well. They're probably my top three. Chargers. Bills and Colts. Okay, I, I thought Buffalo and the Bills Mafia was easily going to be your answer. Yeah. You stunned me there, saying Indianapolis and certainly San Diego. Uh, I didn't even <laughs> know they showed up for games. Last question for you, Jacob. What was? And you got to be honest here, because you told us Kansas City was number one and Detroit was number two in terms of the overall experience. We need your honest answer. Worst NFL experience when it comes to the stadium, the fans. All of it together. I'm gonna say FedEx Field. I think <laughs> for the Redskins, it was like it was half empty when I was there, which obviously didn't help. I was there for the Bears Monday Night game, where they got they well they got killed. I, I suppose compared to some of the other games they've played since then, it maybe wasn't killed. But yeah, it was half empty. Uh, it was a bit of a nightmare to get to and from. So that was probably the one. Maybe I. I enjoyed the least. Congratulations, Redskins, Dan Snyder, FedEx Field. You're number one. Worst experience in the NFL. We have that from the horse's mouth. Jacob Barner, you are my hero. You are Ross Tucker's hero. You are welcome back on this program anytime you have the time. We appreciate it, my friend. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. All right. Follow him at JBB Football on Twitter for more information. Ross, that guy is awesome. I want to do that. I am with one of our producers, though, uh, one of the millennials who said, I'd rather do baseball stadiums. Comes in the summer. You know, just more of a, a road trip type scenario I'd like to go on. Yeah, uh, no, because that would mean you'd go to 30 baseball games. Absolutely I'm not. That's, I would rather do college football. That would be me. Agree. Agree. I, I would rather do college football. Uh, harder to pull off because yeah. <laughs> there aren't as many Thursday night, Monday night, whatever. Um, but I've said for years, Dave, what like when I retire or when I get a chance, what I would like to do is like rent an RV with my wife and just go, especially down south, but just go from game to game every week. You know, explore the region, you know, Monday through Thursday. But then by Friday, park that RV in Athens, Georgia, or Tuscaloosa, Alabama, 
or wherever and smile and tailgate and drink and eat and check out the scenery, the beautiful shrubbery and scenery. <laughs> Careful. <laughs> the greens, Careful. I mean, the greens, oh. the greenage, the greenery, greenery, greenage stuff. Anyway, I'm just going to tell you about ZipRecruiter so I can get out of this as soon as possible. <laughs> I'm, I'm coming recruiter. with you. Your wife needs to stay home. I'm coming with you. Your wife doesn't want to do that. I'm coming. Hey, 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 that reminds me. This is a true story. <laughs> I took my father-in-law to the Kentucky Derby, okay? And the day before, they call it the Keystone Oaks. And... All around us were very attractive young ladies in their sundresses, and it was crazy. And about 30 minutes in, you know, I'm with my father-in-law, so I'm not saying a damn thing, okay? Oh, come on. About 30 <laughs> minutes in, my father-in-law says, Ross, is it just me? Or are there a lot of good-looking girls here? And I was like, oh, I am so glad you just said that. Thank you. And no, it is not just you at all. It was, uh, it was not just you. Um, that dude, Jacob, is was hired. Outstanding. Yeah, Jake, Jacob is hired. Love that guy. I don't even need ZipRecruiter right now. I'm going to hire Jacob. But you probably need ZipRecruiter for something with your job. So go there. Because ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. So you get qualified candidates faster. Look, I know people like Dylan Miskowitz that get quality candidates in just a few days with results like that it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire see why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address ZipRecruiter.com slash enter that ZipRecruiter.com Slash E N T E R. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. T Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus ATT and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Smartest way to get all your NFL information. Simple. 
PFF.com. Pro Football Focus has the best stuff, player grades, college grades, team grades, matchups, fantasy information. We'll talk to Solomon Wilcots about Ryan Tannehill's dramatic Titans transformation and who are the top-graded players at quarterback, running back, and wide receiver as we head to the final few games of the NFL season. We're back with Mr. Wilcots after a break. You're on Home and Home. Michael Thomas may be on track to smash the single-season NFL record for receptions in a season, but he is not the number one graded wide receiver at the source for NFL information. That, of course, is profootballfocus.com. Go to PFF right now for some great information. We'll tell you who is the number one graded wide receiver in just a bit. Home and home at radio.com sports original. We are brought to you by zip recruiter. Check them out. It's ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. Zip recruiter is without a doubt, folks, the smartest way to hire. I'm Dave Briggs home in Connecticut, a little snow out here on the ground. Ross Tucker home in Pennsylvania. Let's welcome in our good friend Solomon Wilcots from Pro Football Focus, who has all that information on the NFL. But first, Solomon, we got to have you solve the age-old debate. Ross needs some help solving his Christmas tree quandary. And since your Twitter feed is at Solomon's Wisdom, you can help him. He doesn't have much time. He needs a Christmas tree. Is it time for Ross to go fake tree, save that time each and every year, or she commit? to real, which way do you see it? And you know what? I, I know Ross. He's a very busy man. He's Mr. Multimedia, Dave. Kind of just like you. Very little time. So, hey, I, I went about four or five years ago with the pre-lit Christmas tree. And you, it even has the, you could spray it with the real pine smell. So it gives the home that Christmas smell that we all grew up on. And it's already pre-lit. It's the best way to go, no doubt. And the cleanup, there is no cleanup. How about that? There is no cleanup in the after effect. Ross? Sally, do you feel like you've quit on life? Do you feel like China is winning, Sally? No, no. I, I am a man who understands how to conserve time. I know how to delegate to others. And I still know how to get the end game, the end result, the outcomes that I want with streamlining all that entire process of not having to go out, select a tree, put up a tree, and it, it's safer. Let's face it, it's much safer. All right, let me ask you this, Sally. <laughs> uh, I have a six-year-old and a seven-year-old, and part of it's like the process of going to get the tree and you know, putting the lights on the tree and the ornaments. Would you, if you, I know your kids are older now, but if you That's were in right. my shoes, if you were in my shoes, would you go fake tree or would you continue <laughs> to go buy real ones? Because it's like, it's the process of doing it as a family like that. See now, so you know me now, you just tapped into something. And remember, I just said, about four or five years ago, I went with the pre-lit tree. When my kids were your kids' age, we went through the entire experience of selecting the tree, cutting it down, dragging it in. Of course, dad did most of the work, right? So no, I, I think yeah. there's something to that. I think it's, uh, it's something that you want to share with your kids. 
And we were able to do that for our kids. But once they went off to college, I went total pre-literate. <laughs> All right. Well, well, speaking, Sally, speaking of something to that, uh, I wanted to ask you, you know, our former colleague, Tim Ryan, uh, made yeah. some comments recently. He's a color analyst for the 49ers. The Niners lost to the Ravens. And he made some comments about Lamar Jackson and uh, and related to his skin and, and all the mesh points and having the brown on the brown. And I wanted to get your thoughts on whether or not you think that there is anything to that and what your reaction was to Tim's comments, having known him as long as you and I both have. Yeah, and you know I have the great respect for Tim Ryan. In fact, I called him last week and I spoke with him and uh, I, I wanted him to know that I thoroughly support him because I believe in him as a person and as a professional. And, uh, you know, remember when he gave those comments, he spoke about three colors, right? Not only the skin color of the hands of Lamar Jackson, but he also talked about the jersey color. He also talked about the color of the football. And so that's the context. And I think there were others who took that story and made it all about skin color. And that's very unfortunate. And I think what Tim learned, and it's something we talked about, um, is that we do have to be careful with our choice of words, only because it can later be parsed out and sort of carved up, and people can use our words to have it translate into whatever they want it to be. And so he understands that process. I think he understands it even greater today than he did, say, you know, before last, last week. And he is going to offer an apology because I know his heart. I know his mind. I say things often, unfortunately, where my head and my heart are kind of separated. And I have to tell people, hey, credit that to my head and not my heart. This is what I meant. So I think as professionals, when we're working in this industry, we have to understand how our words affect others. With that said, uh, I fully support Tim Ryan because I know him as a person. He's a wonderful professional and a very dear and good friend. So then the only other question I have on that, Sally, would just be, um, were you offended or do you think other people of color have a right to be offended? And because I'm just looking, I know the situation is different, but for an example, if it were like a baseball pitcher who was uh, really pale, let's say, and um, when he threw a baseball it wasn't as easy to pick up a baseball and someone commented on that. I wouldn't be offended. Now, I know I don't come from an oppressed group or a minority. Like I know all that stuff, but I wanted yeah. to get your thoughts on that too. Well, first of all, no, I personally was not offended. Okay. Um, I talked with some other friends on Saturday. We were watching college games. Conversation came up and these guys are professional people. They work at Procter and Gamble here locally. They work at Pro ogre and they and some people at the table were like well i was offended others people were like no i think they should just let it go mm. almost everyone at the table agreed that no way should he lose his opportunity for employment based on what was said so no one was offended at that level i think people have a right to feel however they want to feel but i i personally believe that we need to have greater understanding and have greater empathy and leeway to be able to express ourselves, but understand that our words do have consequences. So there is a sweet spot. I think you can go too far and be an overly judgmental, an overly um, hurt 
when someone has something to say. But also, I think when you're the speaker, you should understand that your words do have consequences. And we need to make sure that we have great empathy for people on the other side, make sure that our words have good outcomes and not negative ones. So there's a sweet spot to be at without using these terms, political correctness. I think we all ought to get up in the morning understanding how can we benefit society and how might we, how might we affect others in a more positive way and not a negative way. Man, put that on a bumper sticker. That would solve a lot of issues in this country right now. Excellent words uh, from you on that. It looked like Lamar Jackson may have been trolling a little bit, wearing white sleeves for the first time in his career. <laughs> only, only other time he wore sleeves. One other time he wore black sleeves. So, look, without a doubt, I think he was trolling those words of Tim Ryan. Talking to Solomon Wilcots, played six years in the NFL, national broadcaster, analyst at profootballfocus.com. It's just 200 bucks a year for an elite membership. Got to check them out. Best information, which we will get to in a sec. Got to get you to weigh in on the biggest story in all of sports, which of course is the New England Patriots and what some are calling Spygate 2. Having played in this league, having broadcasted this league, covered it from all angles, do you believe the Patriots' innocent explanation of what happened with the camera crew last weekend, or are they cheating? Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't go as far as to say that they're cheating because that I really, really don't know. Uh, I'm also not going to be gullible and say, uh, no, it, you know, I don't really think there was anything to it. This is an organization who I respect a lot. I respect their owner, Bob Kraft. I respect the coach and Bill Belichick. Um, Let's face it, they do things the right way. Now, now, it's also been documented that they are willing to cross the line. You know, I've heard players from that organization say, you know, casually, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. So I do believe that there's something to it. There's no way I'm going to dismiss this as something that was carelessly uh, um, sort of uh, something that we just were doing as an aside that had nothing to do. Why are they shooting a documentary about how to just do your job? And that means you should be shooting your own team doing their job. Why are you haphazardly at a stadium where your team isn't even playing? And it just so happens that the team you're playing the next week, you're shooting the documentary at their stadium. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. Call me a conspiracy theorist, because I am not that. I, I just believe that if you understand the past, present, and future, that you can connect those things that have a strong understanding of probable outcome. And the patrons have been caught with their hand in the cookie jar. That's well documented. Uh, they've won a lot, okay? Let's give them credit. They're good at what they do. So if they're in a stadium with cameras, shooting a team that they're going to be playing the very next week. And you ask me, what is that all about? I would probably tell you all of the above. Sally, you're the man, by the way. Um, <laughs> you really are. Uh, I agree very much with everything you just said. And I played in New England. And I still think that there's a way too many coincidences there uh, in my mind, at, at a minimum, Sally, I would just submit that based on their past history, they should go out of their way to be beyond reproach. 
and they're clearly not yeah. in this instance. But I wanted to ask you something different, actually, about Lamar Jackson. And I don't know if we I asked this the last time or not, but I guess the question is, Sally, do you think how much of his success do you think is as a result of the offense? And do you think teams will be able to figure out maybe it's later this year, maybe it's not till next year, a much better way to defend what Greg Roman, Lamar Jack, and Lamar Jackson are doing? You know, I, personally, I think he's changing the game before our very eyes. And I give a lot of credit to John Harbaugh for scrapping the old offense run by Marty Morningwig and allowing Greg Roman to implement an entire new offense and tailored around the skill set of Lamar Jackson. Um, remember, when he left the field after that wild card loss to the L.A. Chargers one year ago in the playoffs, they were booing him in Baltimore. And all they've done is reinvent themselves. And he has improved in a lot of areas that um, I think leads to the real answer to your question, is it sustainable? And let's face it, he is making plays from the pocket. He is, uh, he's got the highest grade uh, that we give to a quarterback here at PFL in terms of pass plays from the pocket. He is accurate from the pocket. He's generating positive plays, making plays from the pocket. Some of that is coming off play action. But when it comes to his ability to, to throw the ball with great accuracy, timing, and understanding of where he wants to go with it, he is making plays from the pocket, Ross. That part of his game is very much sustainable there are no, no aging running quarterbacks in our league you know that so as he, he grows older, as he maybe take more hits maybe that part isn't sustainable but the part of making plays from the pocket part of play action pass and rpos i think that is increasingly becoming a larger part of nfl football and i think he's gonna he's part of it russell wilson is part of it we've seen this with cam newton here is a much bigger bodied guy now convalescing as a result of being a running quarterback. So we know that eventually the injuries are going to catch up with him if, if he's continuing to run the football as much as he is today. But right now, they have the most explosive offense in the NFL. They have the highest scoring offense in the NFL. And it's hard to argue with. And they do play great complementary football, playing great defense. So right now, they're trending towards an NFL championship, we'll see if they can close the deal. Sure feels that way. Lamar Jackson, the number four overall graded quarterback on PFF.com. Number one, Russell Wilson. Number two, Drew Brees. The surprise when I looked up the grades this morning was number three, Ryan Tannehill, who uh, got blown out down there at Miami and has now won six of seven with the Titans, nine touchdowns, one pick in the last month. From what you've seen, how do you explain the transformation of Ryan Tannehill with the Titans? You know, Dave, and that's the thing. I went back and I looked, and I've been studying Ryan Tannehill over the last week or so, and I went back in Miami and said, wow, you know, when he was there, he had two consecutive years of over – 4,000 yards passing. He had three straight seasons of 24 touchdown passes or more. And so we've seen some of this from Tannehill in the past. Um, yes, he's given them um, six 
wins out of their last seven games. He's playing at a very high level as, as a testament to the grades that we've given him here. Um, but they're doing more play-action pass. He's taking more shots down the field. And his ball placement is phenomenal. They're asking him to participate uh, in a, excuse me, in a vertical passing attack where he's getting the ball down the field, and he's doing a good job at it. Now, can he sustain it? Remember, he's done this in the past, and we've seen him fall off the cliff. I think that's a good question. Can he continue to execute the way that he is now when the games become more meaningful? In two of the next three weeks, he's going to have to play against the Houston Texans. They've got a chance to win a division title. Let's see if he can get this done in meaningful games, in meaningful moments against a really good football team. I think that's the X factor in terms of what we're seeing with Ryan Tannehill. You know, Sal, it's not a uh, it's not a big sample size yet. It's only been a couple games, and I'm probably stealing what was going to be one of Dave Briggs' questions because he's a huge Broncos fan, but that <laughs> uh, makes it even more fun to ask it. Drew Locke. What do you think of Drew Locke so far? What are the what are the results? I mean, obviously they've won both games, but what do the PFF analysts see when they watch the rookie out of Missouri for the Broncos? I gotta tell you, you know, you're right. It is a small sample size, but this kid, what he was known for coming out of Missouri, was his big time throws, the ability to get the ball into tight windows vertically down the field. He struggled with that in the pre season but this kid has been putting in the work i'm seeing someone who has been using the earlier part of the season when he was not able to play that he was putting in work he was looking and learning and listening in those meetings and paying attention and now he's taking some of what he has seen out on the field and he's ross willing to challenge the opposing defense he's pushing the ball down the field vertically he's throwing the ball into tight windows He's got tremendous accuracy, and his receivers are making plays for him. I don't, we don't know if he could continue. He's going to make some bad plays like he did at the end of the L.A. Chargers game where he threw that interception. But he came back the very next week in week 14 and put the ball back in the air, back in harm's way, and he was threading the needle. We like what we're seeing from Drew Locke. We want to see more. Um, he's going to play the rest of the season. That's good. Um, but right now, I can tell you right now, the arrow is pointing up. If you were asking someone, are you buying stock in Drew Lock or are you selling it? I think the line would be very long for those who are buying it. I'm not the only one with the Colorado connection here, Ross. Don't forget Solomon Wilcox is a proud Colorado <laughs> Buffalo, just That's like right. me. So you know he right. keeps an eye on the Mile High City <laughs> and State as well. Talking to Solomon Wilcox, former NFL player, Colorado Buff, PFF.com analyst. Last question for me, there was another surprise when I looked at your player grades and the number one wide receiver I just assumed was Michael Thomas because he is dominant. He will smash the record by Marvin Harrison. I think he needs 22 catches to break that record, which he will do, barring injury. Chris Godwin of the Tampa Bay Bucks is the number one graded wide receiver. Most people wouldn't name him as the best receiver on his football team. What makes him so special and number one? True breakout year for Chris Godwin. And to do so playing opposite of Mike Evans, both receivers for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 
have a top 10 receiving grade here at PFF. But Godwin, his ability to generate explosive plays, that is pass plays of 15 yards or more where he has the third most of any receiver in the National Football League, and then the consistency in which he is doing that. He's moving the chains and creating first downs, third most, again, of any wide receiver in the National Football League. And Jameis Winston is one of the guys, yeah, he's throwing it to his guys a lot. He's going to throw a lot of interceptions where he leads the league. Nine more interceptions for Jameis Winston than any other quarterback in the NFL. But give it to Chris Godwin. He is consistently, week in and week out, generating big plays, creating more first downs. And right now, this is a guy that, yes, he has our highest receiving grade. We'll have to see if he can continue. But he has been good wire to wire. And uh, I like what Mike Thomas is doing since you brought him up in New Orleans. Because remember, he's doing that with two different quarterbacks. Yes, he's always done it with Drew Brees for five straight games when it was Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, Mike Thomas was still putting up huge numbers. So very well deserving as well. And he's right up there neck and neck with some of the top receivers on our PFF board. He's Solomon Wilcox. Check him out at Solomon's Wisdom. Jump on PFF.com. Just 200 bucks a year for the best information, fantasy football, NFL, college football. We appreciate the time, my friend. Always nice to see you. Appreciate you guys as well. Keep up the great work. Thank you. All right, Ross. That's Solomon Wilcox, who laid down the last word on the Christmas tree as well. Not just fake, but pre-lit. You know, the more I think about this and the more we talk about it, the more I can see this being a very viable possibility once my daughters are out of college. Um, Even when they're in college, I think there might be some debate, but over my dead body, Will we have a fake tree until they're out of high school? Because I guess I feel like if you don't have traditions around the holidays, if you don't have those built-in family activities that are kind of like marked on the calendar, what do you even have these days? Because it's hard enough to get quality family time or everybody together, like we don't do family dinners. I mean, it's just hard. My wife works, so it makes that a challenge. And so something like going to get the tree together and we're going Monday night together, there's a place that stays open till six. We're going to get there like 4.30 or whatever and do it. That stuff matters because it's like we're doing something together as a family. That we'll remember, hopefully. I I kid because I 100% agree with you. I mean, there are so few traditions left. I can't even think of anything beyond holiday-type traditions that my family has left. The tradition is the kids wake up, they get on their iPhones. My daughter's on Instagram, my son's on TikTok, and my daughter's watching animal documentaries on her iPad. And if you're going to get their attention... It is difficult. It is fleeting. It is very rare. So, yes, hang on for dear life to that tradition. Once the kids are gone and they'll be gone and we'll be empty nesters, let's both go get that fake tree and get it pre-lit 
and enjoy that time with our cocktails. What is uh what's TikTok? TikTok, the bane of my existence now. Chinese app, short, quick videos, very catchy videos. Sometimes they're demonstrations, sometimes they're music videos, sometimes they're sports highlights. There's no real format for what a TikTok video is, but it is addictive. As Joey, our producer says, it's kind of the new Vine and it has taken over the teenage, that young teenage uh, group. It is just dominating so their do? minds just, like nothing just, I've ever seen. You just send, you send them to your friends? You post them just like you would on Instagram, right? There's a feed. And you just kind of go through the feed of, of these people doing various quick things. Up, oh, Miley Cyrus. Quick videos, music videos, music highlights. I don't get how to operate it. It drives me mad, but I can see the kids are hooked. It has changed society. You're not on it, obviously. No, I just heard about TikTok like the last couple days for the first time. So then when you mentioned, yeah. I was I was curious to know what it was. I think we need to have someday on Home and Home a TikTok tutorial for old for old people. Because for me, it's like Snapchat. Like, I can't even navigate it. I don't know what to do with it. I own it only so I can see the sports videos that my my son texts to me and thinks are really cool. So maybe a TikTok tutorial in the future here on Home and Home. Follow us at RDC Home and Home. Less than five minutes of commercials every day. Tomorrow, Nick Costos from You Better, You Bet. And also the man who broke the cannonball run record driving from New York to L.A. in the fastest time. We're all about breaking records here on Home and Home this week. For Ross Tucker, I'm Dave Briggs. See you tomorrow. Hey, everybody, it's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day exclusively on the radio.com app or on the web at radio.com slash home. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t-mobile.com.